0: My name is Cece Tucker. I am the owner and designer of Little Pieces of Hope and the founder of The Tumbleweed House, and you're listening to Namaste Podcast.
1: Welcome to Namaste Podcast. I'm Katie J, and I'm a mindset mentor, manifestation coach, and meditation guide. I'm here to help you become the best version of yourself so you can live a life of overflowing joy, peace, love, and prosperity. If you're looking to create a life fueled by happiness, driven by joy, and flowing with the abundance of the universe, then you have come to the right place. Because we are all spiritual beings having a human experience, My goal with this podcast is to help you shed any layers of doubt, fear, and suffering that have accumulated in your mind-body so that you can finally experience your most authentic self. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of personal empowerment and high-vibe spiritual growth. I will provide you with stories tools, and strategies from myself and people just like you. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's begin. This episode is brought to you by Self Love Stones. These simple yet beautiful stone necklaces are handcrafted by moms, so you know there's tons of love going into these necklaces. New stones come out every month, and if you use the code NAMASTE in all lowercase at checkout, you will get 10% off of your order, and you will help support this podcast in the process. Check them out on Instagram at selflovestones and online at selflovestones.com. All right, today on the podcast, we have Cece, who is the founder of Little Pieces of Hope. And Cece, I was just wondering if you could introduce yourself and tell us what one of your favorite, fondest childhood memories is.
0: Oh, good question. Um, Well, my name is Cece, and I, like you said, I started Little Pieces of Hope back in college, actually. So Little Pieces of Hope is a socially responsible business. We donate 15% of our sales to a charity no matter what time of year. We have already partnered and donated over $10,000 to over 10 different nonprofits and local organizations. So we're always trying to change the world for the better with one little piece of hope at a time. And it started as just a hobby, and then it turned into a business and um, it was kind of unexpected, however, I'm super thankful that my path and journey led to this because it's just been really fun and such a trial and error process and such a growth process. and my favorite childhood memory, I loved all of my childhood, believe it or not I grew up in Austin, Texas on this beautiful acreage. We had about eight acres. And um, I just remember my sister and I playing outside like in the trees. We had a tree house. We would collect flowers for my mom uh, before dinner time. So my childhood just consists of being outdoors and playing with everything that nature had to offer. So that's my favorite childhood memory.
1: (laughs) That's so interesting. I, I grew up in Barton Creek and we had, um, we were only on an acre of land, but behind our property, it's now developed and it's now a uh, retirement home. But before that, it was just mm-hmm. like all green belt. And we would go back there and go quote unquote, dirt biking. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't actually, you know, real dirt biking, but we thought we were so hardcore. So I can totally relate to that beautiful childhood playing in the green belt. So how did Little Pieces of Hope get started when you were in college? What was the intention behind it?
0: So it's a a very long story. However, I started making jewelry whenever I was in high school. And we were in my, or I was in my world geography class, and we were learning about the world water crisis, mainly in Africa. And so we were being... And shown all these horribly disturbing videos and pictures of the diseases that everyone can get from dirty water. And so it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do to help. But I knew from that day that I felt, I just felt drawn to help in any way I could. And so it was during the time that Lance Armstrong had that Livestrong campaign with those yellow wristbands. And so I kind of, uh, I was inspired by that idea and I started making these braided bracelets that had little charms on it that would say like dream, hope, wish, um, kind of some cheesy stuff. But I sold them for $3 and my main goal was to help build a water well. And the Little Pieces of Hope name, it wasn't Little Pieces of Hope until college, And so whenever I finished building that water well or helping donate for that water well, I realized like, oh my gosh, that was it. I wanted more because it was such a rewarding feeling for me. So I sat down with my friends and I was like, okay, I want to start making jewelry. I need to have a brand name. Let's get this started. So we came up with Little Pieces of Hope and I started a Facebook page and just was kind of selling to my friends. And my mom had a shop in Austin, like a little boutique out in Spicewood, Texas. And so I was just selling jewelry there. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, it, I made an Etsy shop one Christmas break. And it just seemed really easy. Like I was just being led to the next step, uh, like one after the other. And so that's kind of how it got started. I started making jewelry in high school, and then it developed into a hobby. And then I realized after college that I loved this hobby so much, I wanted to turn it into a business. And so yeah, I started, I sat down, made a very loose business plan, and just kind of have gone from that.
1: Where did you learn how to make a business plan? So
0: I went to school up in Fort Collins, Colorado at Colorado State, and I was in apparel merchandising and design. And so a lot of the material that I studied was not only the business side of it, or not only like the apparel and marketing side of having your own business, but also like the business structure, the business plan. And also like my business plan, it wasn't as um, professional, I'm sure, as most people's business plans, but I was super hungry to make a change and I was super hungry to create my own schedule and to just be super creative. And that's what inspired the business plan. It was more of this is what I'm going to do. This is my mission statement. And I learned along the way how to tweak that business plan to make it uh, a little bit more professional and a little more manageable. Um, but I'm still learning how to how to professionally put a business plan together.
1: Yeah, I think it's a constant learning process. As as I can definitely relate to that.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. I'm sure you can. It's just. Seriously, trial and error every step of the way, no matter how much experience you have.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've, I'm looking at your Instagram, and it, it's just so beautiful. Did you, do you put all of that together? Do you take all of the photos, or do you have help with that?
0: I do it all myself, and it is seriously such a love-hate relationship. Um I know recently you were talking about Instagram and how the algorithm changed and it really affected a lot of small business owners so that's why there's that um it's just such a struggle to be noticed on Instagram nowadays where it used to be a little easier but I do all of the social media myself I actually do everything in the business myself just like you do I'm sure so i wear a lot of different hats and i went to i took photography or photojournalism in high school and i learned a lot about photography and then about 2 years ago my fiance but then boyfriend he bought me a birthday gift to take a photography class to kind of fine tune my photography skills and so i have a lot of joy and passion taking photos And I love posting them and sharing them. So that is why I love Instagram so much because I love sharing that creative outlet. However, it's so hard to transform those likes into sales, if that makes sense. So I'm still learning how to do that with the new Instagram algorithm change.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I keep on trying to tell myself that you know, Instagram in and of itself is a business, right? And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to, you know, ba- there's no reason to bash Instagram for changing their algorithms because, you know, they're just, they're trying to make money too, right? They have employees that they have to feed and all that stuff. But yeah, it's it's kind of like if you don't have, I kind of been relating it to, because you mentioned the SATs and the ACTs earlier, it kind of uh-huh. reminds me of that. And it's like, there's a standardized test. And unless you have a tutor who can teach you exactly how it works, exactly what they're looking for, exactly the responses that they're looking for, then you might not pass it, even though you were a good student, uh-huh. in high school. even though you have yeah. a good product, <laughs> you have good intentions, you know, you need that. Like, and it's not, I mean, the information is out there, but when you are the jack of all trades in your business, it can be pretty exhausting and keep up with it. You know, Instagram is have, it has these algorithms that are constantly changing. And so just wondering if you've found better success finding customers and converting customers offline, like an in-person event or um, word of mouth or anything like that. Because that's how I heard about you was from word of mouth.
0: That is so awesome. And that seriously is the most powerful marketing tool is word of mouth. It has changed a lot over the last few years here in Austin just because so many people are moving here. Jewelry is a very easy thing to make. And so a lot of people can self-teach themselves or they're self-taught. And the market here has become super, super saturated. So it's becoming very competitive to get into farmers markets or flea markets here. I know... It just used to be a lot easier. And so I'm very methodical about which markets I want to apply for because now it's gotten to the point where you have to pay to apply for a market. And if you don't get in, then they still keep that money as an application fee. And so I was finding that I was applying to markets that I have already been a part of and I had seniority to in a sense but because there were so many jewelry vendors it the seniority didn't count and so it just became very difficult to become or like to show my stuff at a market and i would really focus on online sales again but shoppers shop online at different times of the year. So, the summer is very slow because most people are on vacations. They don't usually hop online to shop. Since they're on vacations, they like to explore the town that they're in and shop at the local stores and boutiques. So, in the summertime, I try my best to do markets or just get into boutiques to do wholesale. So, it really depends just how the year is going. Where I try to get my stuff into or how I sell my stuff. But the main place I sell it is on Etsy and through my website, littlepiecesofhope.com. And then the second uh, way I get most of my jewelry sales is through wholesale, through this amazing website called Fair. And it's basically like Etsy, but a wholesale version of it. So it's for retailers and boutique owners to shop for local handmade products. And uh, most of them are for a good cause or they're socially responsible or socially made, ethically made. So it's a really amazing outlet for me to get business that I wouldn't usually get from all around the world. So it's super cool. And I feel very fortunate to have found that website.
1: Nice. That is a really good resource. What was the name of it again?
0: It's called fair. It's spelled F A I R E.
1: Fair. Nice. Very mm-hmm. cool. So what has been one of your, I mean besides maybe Instagram marketing, but what has been one of your biggest obstacles with growing and or maybe even within the setup stage of little pieces of hope?
0: The hardest part has been definitely the ebbs and flows of income. Some years, it's really great. Some months, it's really great. Other times, not so much. It's like that quote, it's either feast or famine. I don't know the exact quote, but I seriously am living my life. Sometimes it's feast, sometimes it's famine. So that's been one of the biggest struggles. And then also, I am very... Creative, and uh, I think my passion is very much to create and design and uh, express myself through jewelry or any type of artwork. And so it's been hard to figure out the finances of things, figure out okay, am I spending too much money on marketing? Should I be spending money on creating new products, or should I be spending my money applying for farmers markets? So it's hard to figure out which direction I need to be focusing on. And I remember even you said recently in one of your Facebook live videos, like we are the only person in the business. So it's harder to bounce ideas off of people because you're the only person that knows your business in and out and we don't have any other employees. So that's something that I've been learning to do is to ask for help. Or even just listen uh, more openly whenever my friends or family are giving me suggestions. Of course, sometimes that comes uh, at a cost. Like sometimes my family has no idea what they're talking about, but they're just trying to be as nice as possible. So I listen as much as I can, but it is hard not knowing which direction to go and what's best for my business sometimes.
1: Yeah, I totally feel that. And even when <laughs> I started, I muted my mic. I mute my mic when you talk because I don't want any of the noises <laughs> of Costa Rica to, to chime in, but yeah. um, I was laughing to myself and you said, you know, they have no idea what they talk about, with, what they're talking about, but they're trying mm-hmm. as hard as they possibly can to contribute. And I totally relate to that because I'm just like, you know, they'll start going off and exp- giving a suggestion. And I'm like, but you don't, see the whole picture <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes it's like whenever I was in college and I was having a hard time in a class and my mom would be like you know what I'm gonna email the professor and it was like no no, no mom that's not gonna work like I can take care of this myself but it's just like they want to help so badly and help support you so they will say and do whatever they can because they love you so much but sometimes I'm it just, it doesn't make sense what they're suggesting. <laughs> so, and so you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt whenever you're hearing other people's advice. And especially when you're hearing their opinions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You already went through your yoga teacher training or you're currently going through it?
0: Yes, I went through it and I, graduated in November of 2017. I know. Super exciting.
1: Congratulations. Can you tell me about that experience and what made you want to do a YTT?
0: Oh my goodness. Where do I even begin? It was such a magical experience. I loved every single second of it. I was extremely nervous to do yoga teacher training for a few reasons but back in what was it 2017 or maybe it was yeah it was 2017 I I was going through a really big shift in my life and I was experiencing debilitating anxiety to the point where I had to move back in with my mom I couldn't drive anymore because I would have panic attacks It was just a really, really crazy, dark time in my life. And so whenever I remember that portion of my life and then realize, like, holy shit, I just completed yoga teacher training, it's super empowering. And just one of those moments where I feel very proud of myself because because I've come such a long way in terms of anxiety And so one of the best things about teacher training was how proud of myself I was for stepping outside of my comfort zone. And another thing I loved about teacher training was the community. Since I do work from home and I am the only employee, I find myself to be very, not lonely in a bad sense, but just very you know, singled out. I don't have a work community. And I found that in teacher training, I finally found that community again, or not again, for the first time, I found a community. And there, they were women of all different ages. And I was able to connect and be supported by every single woman. I grew up, my I lost my dad whenever I was younger. And so I grew up with my mom being the strong, independent, fearless woman. And it was such an awesome role model. However, it led me to believe that, or it just made it hard for me to receive help because I saw my mom being such a wonder woman and a Superwoman, doing all these things on her own that I thought, you know what? I can do all these things on my own. And teacher training was the first time where I was going through such a transformation and I was able to receive support from quote unquote complete strangers. And that was such a beautiful moment because I've never asked and received for help in a way like that. And so it was just very magical. And I finally had a community that I never knew I needed or wanted and the friendships have just been unbelievable from it.
1: Personally, my experience with yoga teacher training was the same. I mean, I, cause it's, what's interesting is I didn't hear you mention anything about like actually teaching yoga, but yeah. it's, almost like, <laughs> it's almost like the best part of yoga teacher training isn't learning how to teach yoga. It's learning how to live yoga and become it and Adopt it into your community, and as such, adopt an entire community as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, even you saying that gives me the goosebumps. Because yeah, I was not focused on teaching. I even went into teacher training, being like, "I am doing this to deepen my practice." I didn't even know what the heck "deepen your practice" meant. I just (laughs) heard everyone say it, so I was like, "Okay, I'll do that too." And it taught me so much about myself. And it also connected me to my higher self or reconnected me to my higher self. And it was just such a magical, sacred, transformative experience. And I wish everyone could go through it because there's nothing better than teacher training. In my opinion, it's the best gift that you can give yourself and the best investment you can make on yourself.
1: I was actually just thinking just the other day when I made the decision or when I was making the decision to buy yoga teacher training, I was working from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single day and oh. decided to spend, you know, all day of every single weekend for two months not necessarily sleeping in but you know waking up and going and doing a yoga practice and learning about yoga and then teaching yoga and i was like i remember in the process of evaluating whether or not this was a good idea i was sitting there like <laughs> crunching numbers as far as how much i could earn as a yoga teacher <laughs> yeah thinking that that's what it was about at the time and mm-hmm. you know i i went in thinking like oh this will be a good way to stay in shape and then ended up getting uh my entire life purpose out of it. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes,
0: I completely agree. I know I definitely went into it. There was a question and answer session to see for the people who are almost like yoga teacher training curious. Mm-hmm. And so I went in being like, So did this transform your body? And you could tell the teachers were like, well, I hope that's not the main reason you're going to teacher training. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, And even during teacher training, I was so effing busy and stressed out that I'm pretty sure I ended up gaining weight because I was just shoving like pasta and chocolate and all kinds of crap in my mouth at the beginning. And then towards the end, I realized like, oh my gosh, in order to, be this physically active for this long. And for my brain to absorb all this information, I had to shift my eating, not necessarily like a whole 180. But I realized like, okay, if I have to get up early to do teacher training, I can't eat like a whole pint of frozen yogurt the night before. <laughs> and so um, so um yeah, I definitely went into teacher training thinking that I would come out this like sleek yoga goddess and I feel like mentally I 100% did or I like to think I did but it it was so totally different than what I imagined going into if that makes sense Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah and it it, it's just for anyone listening to this that's thinking about doing a yoga teacher training I say do it CC. Do you say do it too?
0: I say for sure do it. And even I think the hardest part for me is I touched base on how I had horrible anxiety, but I still have bad anxiety. Maybe I should watch my language with saying bad anxiety, but I definitely have anxiety still. And I'm learning tools. Like it's almost like you have a tool belt and Teacher training is one of those tools that you can put in your tool belt to help with your anxiety. Because even during teacher training, there were weekends where I had panic attacks in front of, uh, I'm pretty, Carly, you know Carly. There was one morning where I just walked in and I just started sobbing because it was just, it was so hard to show up every single day for those long hours, practice for like four to five hours a day. Uh, Do all the homework as well as balance your regular everyday life. And so it was so hard to show up with anxiety, but it taught me so many things about myself and anxiety. So if anxiety or depression is holding you back, I feel like it's an even better reason to go because if I can do it, literally anyone can do it. Because my, my, I call them my dark days were so bad that if I could come out on the other side, anybody could do it. And I I just think it's such a rewarding and magical experience to go through.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I I love how you said that it's a a tool for your tool belt, because that's kind Mm of the analogy that I use when I talk, um, when I teach my courses, is that I say this is a tool, you know, a manifestation tool or anxiety, a stress reducing tool, something that you might not necessarily use every single day, like a tool in your toolbox, but mm-hmm. when you need it, it's there.
0: Oh, yes. And even there's some tools that I put in my tool belt that I have learned about and completely forgotten about until recently. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So like journaling and meditation, I know they make me feel wonderful, but recently I have been so caught up in doing so many things work-wise and social life-wise that I forgot how amazing journaling and meditation can be. And so I'm just rediscovering those those tools again in my toolbox and tool belt. And it's just amazing all the resources you can – Uh, find throughout your journey of (laughs) filling up your tool belt
1: yeah yeah absolutely there I mean meditation has been a complete game changer for me and so I would highly recommend that anyone who's curious about meditation definitely look into it more and not to, And I'm, I want to encourage people who, I feel like meditation is such an intimidating thing to people because they think mm-hmm. it needs to be like hours long and really deep and they need to feel this profound shift during or after and um, what I, I don't know, like, can you tell me more about your meditation practices and what, what it is that you like to do when you meditate?
0: Mm-hmm. So. I first learned about meditation after I went through a breakup in 2015. And I was reading this self help book. I think it was called Be Who You Want, Have What You Want. And uh, there was this meditation practice where you visualize your higher self. And it was definitely a vis- visualization meditation technique. And so visualizing your higher self, what he or she looks like the characteristics that he or she has, and then meeting that version of your higher self and hugging them and absorbing all of their qualities. Cause because those qualities are already within you. You just have to reawaken them, if that makes sense. So that's been, that was my first introduction into meditation. Just a very simple guided meditation from that book. And I absolutely loved it because it was easy for me to visualize because I'm very much a a dreamer and I I can definitely uh, imagine best case scenario, worst case scenario. So it was easy for me to visualize my higher self and uh, almost create this persona of someone uh, that was watching over me and that was always present. And I just, I really resonated with that. And then my teacher training also taught me this really easy method of lighting a candle and just watching the candle flicker. And that was, that was so amazing to me because I didn't realize meditation could be that simple, just like a gazing meditation. And I found that looking at the candle flicker kind of, helped quiet my mind, that monkey mind or my ego. And it allowed me to close my eyes and deepen my breath and then just kind of be quiet. And if I got distracted, I would open my eyes, look at the candle again, and it would help quiet all the noise around me and my mind and even in my environment. So those are the two methods I really love. And then of course, I know I said I only like two, but now I'm thinking I love chanting. I love doing all the weird woo-woo stuff. And I (laughs) I didn't think I would like chanting until teacher training. And I went to this one studio in Austin. It's called Suka Yoga. And I met the owner's. Mark and Aaron, and they were so confident about being so weird. And I say weird in like a very beautiful, loving, respectable way, because it's weird to quote unquote, normal people, but it felt so right to me because they were so confident and loud and saying their owns like during meditation that I was like, Oh my gosh, these weird people are my type of people. And I, I found my body like buzzing and vibrating after like really being loud and taking up space. Cause I find that I'm very much a people pleaser and I tried to behave in the most polite way possible. And that was the one time where I felt like, I mean, I wasn't like screaming obnoxiously, but I could be loud and it was okay. And it was just, also transformative in a sense. And like I said, it would leave my body like buzzing and it was just such a cool feeling. So that's not an easy like way to hop into meditation, but it can just show you that your meditation practice can grow and change throughout uh, the course of your journey.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that uh, we did that candle exercise during my teacher training as well. I thought that was a really awesome one
0: so cool. I loved it because it's so easy and approachable for people that are interested in meditating but don't know what to do. And also there's a ton of great apps now for guided meditation. There's Insight Timer. I know for a while I was using Headspace and uh, there's a lot of tools now for meditation to be easily accessible, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, I use Insight Timer. We listen to meditations before bed pretty much every single day from, from Insight Timer. And um, there'll be some that I, I just, I favorite, And I'm like, I just come back to them over and over and over again, which when I first started meditating, I thought that in order for it to be effective, I had to do something different every single time. Yes. <laughs> every single time. <laughs> but if something works and you like it and it resonates with you, then you can keep going back to that, which is something I didn't realize.
0: Hmm. That's so right. I feel like there's these rules we put on ourselves. Like, oh, I must not be doing it right because I'm still constantly thinking about my to-do list, about how little time I have, how I shouldn't be meditating right now. And there is no right or wrong way to do it. It just you just continue to learn as you go what feels right, and it may not be what feels right to other people. But if you're feeling good and benefiting from it, then you're doing it right.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely. And there's no such thing as a bad meditation. Like I've definitely come out of meditations before being like, wow, I didn't stop thinking about my to-do list. But <laughs> yeah. but that doesn't mean that it was a bad meditation because I still took time out of my day for self-care. So it can never yes. do it wrong.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: I love your story about Suka Yoga cuz I've been I've only been there once before. I used to live over in that area and I had a very similar experience too where I was like they are so they just send it, you know? Like you just they have to. <laughs> which is a good lesson if you're going to be holding space in 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 anything, right? And someone enters the room and you can tell they're new to that, do you hold back because of it or do you Stand tall in your best self and say, This is what I'm teaching and this is what works. So go ahead and just hop on in, you guys. Let's do this.
0: Exactly. I went to a Kundalini class and it was again a part of like teacher training. We had to do classes outside of the studio that we were learning in. And so I went to a Kundalini class because I heard like the weirdest things about it. And I was super excited because I was like, this is going to be the place where I can be loud and chant and be super weird. And the teacher was very reserved. And I felt like, oh, I can't be loud. This Mm -hmm. is too quiet. And and so now whenever I'm in a class after teacher training – I am probably the loudest Omer in class. And even if my voice breaks at the end of it, I still have so much joy in being loud or not like, I can't keep reiterating. I'm not like obnoxiously loud where (laughs) everyone's like quiet down, but I just feel so much more confident in being heard Mm -hmm. and being noisier than my normal self would be. Cause I feel like it sets a tone for the class and it also allows the people next to me to be like, Oh my gosh, she's very confident in her owns and maybe I could be a little louder. And so I just like to think that when people are confident with their chanting, it you can definitely feel the energy in the room just continue to rise and rise and rise. And it's such a cool shift.
1: Mm, yeah. And it, you know, uh, the throat chakra talks a lot about resonance and that vibration and being able, you can tune into that with your with your voice, which is something that's so cool. And uh, I, I totally embrace the woo. It's something that for a long time I was totally against, I hated that word. And I think it was kind of like, It's kind of using. It's almost like when people, you know, call you a b word, but when you call your Mm -hmm. friend the b word, it's like you're reclaiming it in a way. And so it's like if I say it's woo woo, then whatever, it's fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. And even (laughs) my sweet fiance has been so nice. But after teacher training, it like opened up this whole new world of like of woo woo. And so now (laughs) I love crystals. I'll invite him to do new moon and full moon ceremonies <laughs> yes. with me, and he is so sweet and does everything with me. And uh, and like I know some of it. Even uh, I think it's next weekend. I'm starting my training in Reiki healing, mm. and and I was telling him like what all it entails, and you could tell he really didn't know what I was saying because I don't even really know like (laughs) what I'm saying but he was so supportive and sweet about it I was like I got myself a good partner here but it can be very woo-woo and it 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 hurts my soul when people aren't open to just experimenting with crystals or experimenting with chanting it just uh yeah, I don't like the judgment whenever people do say it's woo-woo.
1: Right, yeah. That judgment element is definitely something that can lower your vibration pretty quickly mm-hmm. whenever someone's like, what? I don't believe in that. Like, how can you possibly believe that crystals have power and blah, blah, blah? Yeah. <laughs> and what people don't don't realize is that it's like, the placebo effect works in all sorts of ways. What whatever you yes. to believe in is a self fulfilling prophecy. So, you believe in that. I'll believe in this, and we'll just agree that we have different truths, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, we
0: have different tools in our tool belt, and that's okay. But whenever you realize you want my crystal tool, I will happily (laughs) give it to you.
1: When you want a piece of this beautiful, unconditional happiness that I'm breeding from within me, then let me know.
0: Yes, 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 yes. I love it.
1: (laughs) So you mentioned Reiki training, but what else is next for you and your growth as a yoga instructor, and a space holder, and an entrepreneur?
0: I'm so glad you asked this question. (laughs) I have recently started a new passion project, and it's outside of Little Pieces of Hope, so it's something totally new and totally different, but I am starting, I guess I'm still learning how to like communicate it to people because it is such a new idea and dream for me however it is in the works and I'm trying to communicate it with as many people as possible to really plant that seed and make sure it happens but I am starting a retreat center at that childhood house that I was talking about earlier so it's going to be called the tumbleweed house and we're fixing it up because my mom no longer lives in that house but she still owns the property and so after teacher training I was looking for places to do donation-based teaching and again just like jewelry Austin has a ton of yoga teachers and it's become very competitive and I found that it was a hard it was hard to find a place to do donation-based teaching outside of like Zilker Park or some of the parks and so I wanted to create a space. I realized we have this beautiful property out in the hill country. Why not transform it and make it into a safe, magical place where healing can happen? And so I'm, I'm starting with transforming the backyard because it's this beautiful backyard surrounded by these live oak trees. We have a pool, a little cabana, And so I'm going to clean that area up and make it into an outdoor yoga space for my new fellow trainees to do donation-based teaching. Because another hard thing about being a teacher here is whenever you try to apply for a job, they want you to have experience, but it's hard to get experience. And so I wanted to open up an opportunity for trainees to get experience in a place that Provides yoga mats and blocks and props and all sorts of things. So that is the first step. And I also want this place to be a venue for holding workshops and retreats. And so just even workshops about how to make your own essential oil roller or the power of crystals or chakras 101. Just I want it to be a safe place for people to expand and raise their vibration and their energy and just kind of heal and not heal like in a physical form, but just heal emotionally. And so then after the workshops, I imagine this to be a place for Reiki healers to rent out rooms in the home itself and even massage therapists And just to continue to expand the vibration and and the consciousness of the world. So I don't know if that was too wild of an answer, but I'm super passionate about it. And I'm really excited uh, to keep moving forward and to create a space for people.
1: I am totally and completely obsessed with this idea because Yay. it is, yeah, it's my dream as well to have a retreat center, a very similar um, type of project. And that is. that just makes me so excited. So I have two questions about this place. The first yes. one is, can I please hold a retreat there one day?
0: Yes, yes, of <laughs> course. And that's the thing is, I am trying to be realistic because like I said, I can dream big, super easy. And but sometimes it's hard for me from going dreaming big to like, okay, what's realistic? How do I move forward to make this dream a reality? And so I'm trying to create bus stops like, okay, first, let's fix up the outside space. So we can do outdoor yoga since the weather gets super hot very quickly in Austin. Mm -hmm. I wanted to create an outdoor space to take advantage of the weather while I can. Then while that is moving forward, I want to move inside and start renovating the rooms to make them either a meditation room or a place for a yoga teacher to do private classes. And then the big picture is to redo all the bedrooms and yeah, allow people to have a very intimate retreat there, whether it's a yoga retreat or a manifestation retreat or just whatever type of retreat. I just want to continue to expand the vibration and the consciousness in this world because I feel like it could be such a powerful movement and transformation
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we need more people on this earth who have that same mission. So spreading your light and your love. And I just can't wait to see what happens with it. When do you think my second question is just what is what is your and I know, I'd like to dream really big as well. It's yeah. <laughs> really easy to let things just like, you know, like you said, being realistic, but do you have any sort of timeline or anything like that as far as when we can expect for, when you said the Tumbleweed Center?
0: The Tumbleweed House. So tumbleweed yeah, I named house. that because the street name is North Tumbleweed. Mm. And I, my family and I have always just called it the Tumbleweed House. And so I wanted something that represented the street and the area and something that was close to me. It's also super special because it's a place where my dad and my mom built this house. And we have our handprints in the driveway. It's a place where my fiance proposed to me. It just has so many beautiful memories. And so that's one of the many reasons why I wanted to hold this Big, big dream of mine here because it just means so much. And as for the deadline, <laughs> I, it was funny the other day I was telling Maxwell, my fiance, I was like, I don't think I should have a deadline because I have so much going on right now. We're getting married this year. We have five additional weddings that we're going to. And so I was like, I don't want to stress my out myself out even more because I want this to be such a natural, um not effortless but just easy or not even easy i just wanted to be a natural progress and process and so i wasn't going to set a deadline and then i've been manifesting this dream and planting seeds everywhere and telling my friends and so one of them messaged me the day after i said i'm not going to have a deadline and they're like hey we're putting our feelers out seeing if you would be available to provide the tumbleweed house for a workshop we're having in March. (laughs) So, and so I thought it was funny how the universe was kind of just telling me like, I know you think you don't need a deadline. However, (laughs) I'm going to put a deadline of March for you. So I'm just trusting the process and I'm hoping the outdoor area, I know the outdoor area actually will be done by then. I think it's just my fear of like, this is a totally new thing for me. I don't have any experience with events planning. It's something that I enjoy, but when it comes to the business side of it, there's still a lot of learning and researching I need to do. However, I am confident that I have so much passion behind it that it'll be easy or not easy, but worth it to do all that research. So I'm putting it out there that by March, it'll be ready and accessible for outdoor workshops and outdoor yoga practices.
1: It's so funny how the universe works and you're like, you know, (laughs) I'm serious about this happening, but I'm completely unattached to when, you know, and as soon as 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 you say that universe is like, oh, well, I'm going to make things, I'm going to line things right up for you then. (laughs)
0: It's so true because like I said, and I think most people with, that are thinking of doing a small business, their number one reason, or I don't know, I'm just making this up, but I feel like whenever I hear my friends talk about the number one reason why they aren't starting that small business is fear of failing or feel of fear of looking like an idiot or not knowing what they're doing. But, um, and that's definitely a big fear of mine with the tumbleweed house. However, I just thought it was so cool how the universe keeps showing up and showing me steps of like, okay, this is what your dream is. And it's supposed to happen because it'll help expand the love and healing in the world. So I'm going to help support you in whatever way possible and so I just feel super supported by the universe and all of my angels to continue with this dream, even though it scares me. I think it'll be worth it. I know it'll be worth it in the end.
1: Absolutely. And the biggest favor that you that anyone can do for themselves is to not be afraid of looking stupid because... <sighs> I mean, this episode is going to be on Namaste podcast, which is the new name of Wanderwell podcast, meaning I had to completely backtrack and be like, yeah. "Oops, <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> messed up. I'm going to start over guys, you know, cause it's like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm totally fine admitting that. And as soon as you are, then it's like, oh, huge weight off my shoulders. I, I don't have to be perfect.
0: Oh my gosh. I know. And I think growing up in Westlake, there's a very big reputation for rich, wealthy kids uh, that are privileged. And so I feel like I grew up in an atmosphere where everyone was trying to be perfect growing up. Mm -hmm. And so it's been such a practice for me to realize that, oh my gosh, trying, pretending to be perfect is so exhausting. And it's harder to make connections and deep friendships with people when you're pretending to be something you're not. And I love, I mean, I don't love seeing people make mistakes, but I have so much compassion and empathy when people make a little whoopsie daisy because it's real and it's genuine and it connects you to other people. And so, yeah. And honestly, no one really cares. Like if, Like, renaming your podcast, I'm sure that that was a struggle for you. But, I mean, people like what you do. They're not going to care, like, as much as you think they would Mm -hmm. if the name changed. It's not the end of the world is basically what I'm I'm getting at.
1: Exactly. And as soon as I got over that, because, honestly, what happened, Cece, is that I've been wanting to change the name for – months now, like over half of the time. Yeah. Over half of the time that Wanderwell has existed, I've been wanting to change the name. And every time I bring it up to someone, they're like, no, don't change it. It's awesome. You're building so much momentum, like (laughs) keep up, keep it up. And then I'm like, but I just feel in my heart that there's something better, something more aligned out there. Mm -hmm. And then I had one conversation with someone who I had never met in person before. And he was like, oh, just change it it's fine. And I was like,
0: Thank yeah. You. <laughs> yes. Thank that you. was your sign. Yes. It's so funny how we hold ourselves back from fear of what it will look like to other people. Or mm-hmm. I mean, I'm saying what we, but mainly I'm talking about myself. I let my fear hold me back sometimes. And it's, exhausting and it's very heavy feeling. And once you let that go, you realize like, oh my gosh, I feel so light and so empowered. And it wasn't the end of the world.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, Cece, it's been so wonderful talking to you. Thank you for your time today.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I had so much fun and I feel so honored to be a part of this podcast because I listen to it regularly since I met you and it just brings me so much light and love into my life and I learned so much so thank you for letting me be a part of this.
1: Absolutely it's it's a joy and it was so great to get to know you better I mean like I said I heard about you back in November of 2017 when I was struggling with the packaging game, and Carly was like, "You need to check out Little Pieces of Hope's packaging because it is the best." I was like, "Oh my Aww, gosh!" That's <laughs> so sweet.
0: Thank you so much.
1: You're so welcome. Yeah, I mean, I just thought you should know that because sometimes it's hard. You know, you put a lot of time and effort into the little little pieces of your business, and yeah, and they don't they don't get overlooked you should know that they don't get overlooked
0: thank you thank you so much that means so much so thank you
1: yeah well i hope you have a fantastic rest of your day i'm about to hop on live on the instagram i mean on the facebook group um yeah i always say i like to say noon because then like it doesn't sound like i'm going to be there right at 12 Yeah. (laughs) if i'm running a little bit late
0: yeah loosely around noon exactly (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day.
0: Thank you. You too. And I'm sure I will be hopping on that Facebook Live then.
1: Wonderful. See you there. Okay. Bye. Bye. You can learn more about Cece and her business, Little Pieces of Hope, at littlepiecesofhope.com and on Instagram at little pieces of hope. You can also check out the tumbleweed house on Instagram at the tumbleweed house. If you enjoyed this episode of Namaste podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you took a screenshot of you listening to the podcast on your phone and added it to your Instagram story tag at Namaste podcast and help us spread love and light all over this world. As always, head on over to namastepodcast.com for donation-based meditations, to explore my courses and coaching programs, and to view episode summaries. Also, if you think the world needs more good energy like what you heard today, please rate and review this podcast on your app of choice. Five stars means you loved it, and writing a short review means you double loved it. Thanks for stopping by today. I'll see you next time. Namaste.